All right, dog fans, it's the Dog Cast episode number 474. We're back to business, back in the bunker. Real football coming up this weekend. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party in Jacksonville. Dog fans, it's the Dogcast, episode number 474. Break time is over, and we are back to real football. SEC contest, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, Jamie. And uh, I tell you, they're already lighting it up in Jacksonville and in Jekyll Island. I had a bunch of buddies playing the damn golf tournament today, the annual Georgia-Florida Classic down there on Jekyll Island, and there are a bunch of damn drunk alumni hitting golf balls all over the damn place in Jekyll Island. It's going to be a big weekend, man. Oh, I've got several friends down there already. I've got some that's been down there since Tuesday, and they've been going down all week. And you're right. They're they're playing golf. They're drinking a lot. They're, the women are shopping. I mean, they're... It's definitely, definitely a high concentration of Georgia fi- fans and alumni there. You got that right, buddy. I'm telling you, it's uh, Amelia Island, the plant, the Omni Plantation, Amelia Island, yes. is uh, kicking. That's our favorite place to stay. But I'll tell you, for the fifth year in a row, I just want to get this out of the way because I'm pretty embarrassed. But for the fifth year in a row, I am not going to be able to go to the game, which, I mean, I used to go every single year, right? I never missed it. We would go party at the landing. We stayed at the plant. We stayed at Amelia Island and we never missed it. It was a family tradition. And then I got a annual work conflict that I cannot avoid. It is the Super Bowl of my work and I cannot avoid it. So I'm leaving on, uh, Saturday morning, I won't even be on the East Coast. I'll be on the West Coast when this game kicks off and uh, on my way to Sin City. So I'm going to be watching this game in Sin City, and I'm not happy about it. I'm not proud of it. kind of pissed off about it. I got Georgia. I get Florida tickets every year, and uh, I just have to sell them. And, uh, but I think this actually might be the last year of this Vegas thing, which means next year, I'm hopefully – I'll be back to Amelia, and we'll be back to regular operations for the Georgia-Florida game. Yeah, unfortunately, we're not going to make this game either. Um, That LSU trip probably shut me down on the road for the rest of this season. (laughs) (laughs) Took the taste right out of your damn mouth, didn't it? Out of my yeah. mouth. I've just and I've got a lot going on at work as well, and then a lot going on that I need to be on at home. So unless you're flying out where I'm from, I mean it's seven hours. That takes out Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It leaves me with little time to for for my other priorities outside of my Georgia football priorities. 
I hear you, man. Yeah, we're, I guess we're hurting our credibility a little bit as fans, but man, it ain't because I don't want to be at the landing drinking or be at Amelia Island, I'll tell you that. But uh, duty calls for me on this Vegas weekend. I got to go and do the SEMA show in Vegas. If any of you guys are in Vegas, or come see me at the SEMA show. But anyway, outside of South Hall, I'll be over there where all the big black and yellow trailers are and lots of tire smoke. But anyway, let's talk about the game. Big game this weekend, and um, we've been uh, talking, a lot of talk around Athens this week, and uh, I've got a lot to say about this game this weekend. I'll tell you, I've been developing a thesis about this game, Jamie, and I believe it really is only going to work out one of two ways. You know, we're, I think, a seven-point favorite, is that right? Seven or seven and a half. Seven, seven and a half, something like that. I'll tell you this, we're either going to cover easy, we're either going to win big, I, I, I suspect we're either going to win by 20 or we're going to lose one or the other. I do not think it's going to be a close game. I mean, it might be a close game if we lose. We might make a game of it. But I'll tell you, I believe we're going to win big or we ain't going to win at all. One That's or the other. my identical thoughts, and I've told multiple people that this week. We're either going to show up and realize we're just not, we're really not where we thought we were, or we're going to show up and realize we've put LSU behind us. And we're moving forward, and we're going to blow Florida out. Right. We either have the stuff or we don't. Or we don't. If we have the mojo and we have the stuff and we're what we think we might could be, we will blow these jokers away. And if we don't, we are probably going to lose again, right? Right. Now, I'll tell you, I think we do have the stuff, and I think we are what we think we are. And I believe our coaching staff knows how to get the most out of these guys, and I believe the LSU game is an outlier. And I'll tell you, I've been talking to a lot of fans around town and Athens, these guys over at the Blind Pig, and I'm telling you, nobody knows better than Kirby Smart that they blew it in Baton Rouge. You know what I mean? That's a fact. Nobody knows better than him. And I'll tell you, he's walking around Athens, and what are people telling him, right? Damn, Kirby, why didn't you run the ball more? I mean, how many damn times do you think in the past two weeks somebody's asked Kirby Smart why he didn't run the ball more in Baton Rouge, you know? Right. And, and, I mean, dude, people are like, damn, Kirby. Fake field goal? What the hell, right? Damn, Kirby. Why didn't you give the ball to De- to DeAndre Swift? Damn, Kirby. You know Holyfield was averaging eight yards per game, you know? So I, I believe he is going to have a precise sort of vengeance, right? He has been up nonstop working on a game plan, working with his coaches, and he is going to have a precision sort of vengeance this weekend. Yeah, I see that. You know, listen to press conferences, and I know we all tune in to when Kirby talks. And one of the, after a game, one of the main things the media asks Kirby is, you know, after looking at film, what did you see out of this player or this position group, you know, that you didn't see during the game? But the question they don't ask ever is, after looking at film, what did you see out of your staff that you didn't see during the game. And I can I can all but assure you that Kirby's broken down the game film for the players, but he's done it for the coaching staff as well. So I, I guarantee you he's, he's spent two weeks fine-tuning the team and the staff. 
Yeah, he is he is counseling and uh, advising all kinds of players, right, and coaches. And uh, I really do think we're going to see something more like what we saw in the South Carolina game, a team that comes out and attacks from, you know, this game is going to be one of the, this is really in Kirby's damn wheelhouse. Even, I mean, the LSU game should have been, but this is going to be an impose your will kind of game, right? We need to mash the ball, win the time of possession, and win the turnover battle in order to win this game. It's a top 10 matchup. ESPN's on the ground. Game day's on the ground. CBS is on the ground. Our season hangs in the balance. Oh, absolutely. This is, this is, it all lies right here. And it's a winnable matchup. We've got to do what every coach in the SEC says you have to do. We've got to win the trenches. Our front seven on defense has got to play this week. We can't come out here lollygagging, misdirection, missing tackles. We've got to be on point, precision. And if we do that, completely different outcome than LSU. No doubt. No doubt. And, um, you know, we, we've we got this whole Grantham thing. There's a lot of storylines going on here. You know, Coach Smart has coached against Dan Mullen nine times as a head coach and an assistant coach and has never lost when Dan Mullen was on the other side of the field. Plus, Dan Mullen is carrying the extra weight of Todd Grantham. So, hell, I mean, third down alone, third down efficiency should go through the freaking roof this week, right? We should convert nine out of ten third downs regardless of the down and distance. Hell, I don't care if it's third and 15, third and 25. Just run between the tackles and see what happens. Hell, I'm sure the outcome is going to be in our favor more often than not. Yeah, we're supposed to be able to convert thirds on Grantham every single time. <laughs> every single damn time. <laughs> Plus, you know, there's been a lot of damn talk, a lot of locker room talk out of Florida, out of the Gainesville crew about how they're just going to damn mess us up with their run defense and their pass rush, and they're just supposedly going to just harass Jake from all damn day, you know, uh, they're going to truck Holyfield. I mean, oh, they're going to truck him. Yeah, they, they right. can truck. Yeah, we're going to find out. I, I hope I, I know what you hope and I know what we all hope. I hope Holyfield's been. I hope they take that shit inside of Holyfield's face mask. Right. Absolutely. Andrew. Andrew Thomas is ready. Elijah Holyfield is ready. Damn. Ben Cleveland's trying to get ready, but he ain't going to quite make it this week. Not quite, I don't think. He's close. I, I absolutely see him back for Kentucky. Really? Yeah. Man, damn, that would be huge. I, I kind of was thinking he was maybe a 50-50 for Kentucky. but I see him back. I think that I, I, now Saturday might just be too soon, but I think if we're playing Monday or Tuesday, we could probably get him in an emergency situation. Um, I hope so. I really hope so. I, but you know what? At the same time, I hope we don't have any damn emergency situation. Oh, absolutely. No, 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 absolutely not. So did you see this chart out of Seth Emerson today where he was talking about, I'll tell you, you know, one thing we don't have this weekend is any damn excuses about talent level or talent gap. Hell, Florida's a damn team we used to make fun of. You know what I mean? We were making fun of Florida this year. 
right? So when you look at this recruiting chart, and I know you're a big fan of recruiting. Hell, you're, you're trying to put out fires in the future. I'm trying to put out the fire that's on our damn front porch right now. But we, we had the number three class and a pair of sixes over the past four years versus Florida's best effort was 11th. And they had a 21st on the field as well this weekend. So we definitely can't talk about how damn young or inexperienced or, you know, how damn talent. You know, we, there are no excuses on the field in terms of talent this weekend. No, there should be no excuses. I mean, we've recruited lights out the, since Kirby's gotten there. Even the partial class that he had to piece together to finish wasn't a bad class. It wasn't complete, but it wasn't bad. On paper, when you look at talent, I mean, it shouldn't even be close. We should be, we should be favored to win, and we should win. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't always play out that way. Um, we've got some glaring holes that we're going to see if we fix this week. Um, primarily at inside linebacker, we've got to get that problem fixed. Uh, I was looking at the snap count from LSU. And I mean, I've got a big problem with Patrick and Jawan Taylor getting the amount of snaps they got in the second half of that ball game. They were our least productive inside linebackers, and they got the most opportunities. Hmm. That's a good point. Damn good point. We need more Monty Rice, right? Hell, there's a lot. There's guys we could be playing. I've, we've been talking about nature as Patrick a lot. And uh, over this whole season, you know, uh, I haven't ever questioned his effort, but his effectiveness has kind of been suspect for more than one game. And that LSU game is no exception. No, these kids are play hard and they want to succeed. It's not, that's not the case at all. We don't have an individual out there, to my knowledge, that I've seen with my eyes that just isn't out there trying his best to be the best he could be. Unfortunately, like you said, it's not about effort. It's about execution. Absolutely. And, and we just haven't gotten it. Taylor's great on passing downs, but we've got to stop the run. We've got to we've got to fill our gap assignments. With a three with three down linemen, it's vital that those inside linebackers fill those gaps. If not, you see what happens. They yeah. run the ball effectively up the middle. That's exactly right. And I'll tell you something else. I'm glad you brought up the inside linebackers because they got another whole other damn problem besides run stop. Because this idiot, Felipe Franks, who, you know, I mean, hell, Felipe Franks, man. I mean, it's like his... I don't know. What is that? What is it when you do your, I mean, he's like a silver anniversary. He's not silver anniversary. I don't know that he's on the lawyer Tillman plan for damn sure though. I feel like Felipe Franks. I mean, he was there. I think he threw, he was in the game versus David green in like the first two or three years of Mark Ricks. I mean, you know, how long has Felipe Franks been at Florida and he still sucks. And I have not seen anything out of Felipe Franks that causes me any concern. However, he is damn 
pretty aces at this whole dink and dunk game, right? You're going to see a lot of these five to seven yard passes, tight end drags over the middle, little wheel routes on the outside, little uh, tunnel screens, the kind of things that put pressure on guys like Natres Patrick. The kind of things, I mean, when you talk about kids like Patrick and Taylor, and I think they, they have two different kinds of problems. It's the same problem, but it comes from a different source. But the problem is knowing what to do and making decisions in a really fast and violent way. And when you have to think a lot about run game and you have to think a lot about passing and dink and dunk coverage as well, that can freeze your inside linebacker game. This is what made Roquan so great, his, his football IQ. Oh, he just knew what to do, and he was damn moving fast, and he was moving in the right way. He was going the right damn direction at the snap, you know? Sometimes yeah, his, before the snap. His reaction time was second to none. So, I mean, to think that we're going to have another kid right behind him come in and, and play to that level, I mean, that's – that's just not going to happen. That's that's a lot to ask. But for sure. But <laughs> there are some fundamentals that can improve. You can't teach instincts, but you can teach to form tackle on every play that you get the opportunity to do it on. You can teach how to fill a gap, how to take the right angle on that gap from your position. And I've heard from multiple people that Kirby Smart has this week in practice has been boots on the ground working fundamentals with multiple position groups on the defense. Both coaches and players, right? Absolutely. He's tightening up. He's tightening every damn screw in the car right now, buddy. Yeah, I mean, he's the type of guy that if that, he would rather the loss be on him than another coach or players. Because if it's on him, he didn't. He may not have left everything a, a stone unturned. You you can not do something with Jake Fromm or Nature S. Patrick that you forget or just overlook, and it comes back to bite you in the butt. Right. And you can't take shit for granted, right? I mean, you just can't take stuff for granted. That you know, because these are at the end of the day, they're still kids, right? They're not pros, and they're still kids, and um, there's still there's just still work to do there, right? Work to do every week, like you said, boots on the ground. Absolutely. So all things, all signs point to a different team this Saturday. If if the the work's been put in, the work has been put in. On both sides, on, on both the staff and the kids, right? Whether, whether or not we can execute, that's the question. I'm, I'm still, I'm still a little snake bit. I'm not out here thinking, oh, we've got this game. I, I wouldn't bet it with your money. Well, but you feel good about it. I, I feel like if we do our job, I absolutely feel good about it. If we go, if we play fundamentally, so we don't have to do anything special. This isn't we got to have 400 yards from Jake Fromm and 200 yards from Holyfield and 150 from Swift. We don't have to have that. If we go play fundamentally sound on defense 
we run the ball effectively on offense and put the quarterback in there that can hit an open target, I, I feel great about it. I'll tell you one more player I'm looking to get a big game out of this weekend that will help guys like Patrick and that will help a lot of guys like Juwan Taylor and Natrez Patrick is Jordan Davis. I really want to see a monster game out of Jordan Davis in the center. If he stumps up the damn middle like we know he can do and makes tackles in the interior run game, that's going to really free up Patrick and the guys in the inside linebacker core to make more plays in the passing game and free themselves up to make better plays on the run game as well. You know, the run fit gets better, which then frees up the safeties. That just, that just it, man, it really would help to have a big badass anchor right in the center of the defense. And I'm telling you, Jordan Davis is coming around. I mean, he's just a damn freshman, but man, that kid is having himself a hell of a season so far and he's getting better every week. Oh, absolutely. The last two or three games, he's our most improved player, hands no, down. No doubt. There's no doubt about it. And he's the only guy, I believe, on our roster on the D-line that can that can consume that double team and is just big enough to hold it. And, like and, you said, and still a get a damn hand on a running back, right? May, yeah, <laughs> maybe reach around him. He's, he's, he's ginormous, though. I mean, he's a huge human being. Huge. Yeah. Had a lot of tackles in that LSU game, man. A lot of tackles. Seven tackles in that LSU game. So um, let's get down to it then, man. All right. Uh, This is the impose your will kind of game. Are we going to be the damn team that Kirby says we are? Are we going to play the kind of damn football that Kirby says that is, you know, Georgia football, impose your will, mash people, hurt them, and run them down in the fourth quarter? Or are we going to have 36 pass attempts? Here's what I want to know. What is your over-under? Give me what you think your ideal offensive stat line would look like for runs versus passes. Um, what what do you want to see? What's your over-under on total number of run plays? Total number Ooh, of pass plays. Total number. I think we need to be – we need to – 55, 45, 60, 40, heavy on the run. Um, the the game, it, to predict the, the numbers, the game can go several different directions. So to, to be successful, we, we need to be at, I don't know, I, my number is going to be 60% run, run plays. Well, I tell you, here's the way I've been thinking about it. I'll be a little bit even more precise than that. I don't want to see more than – I'd like to see 22 or fewer pass attempts. It's hard to say because you don't know how many plays you're going to have total. But I'm telling you, if Jake Fromm was something like 16 of 20 and we had maybe 30 or more, maybe say 40 rushing plays – and 20 passing plays, I think that would be aces. If we could do that, we will win the game. Does that make sense? I, I'm right if, there if with you. If we could you. get to that stat line, that would be a damn cl- cinch of a win. Yeah. I mean, somewhere between, just down to numbers, 18 to 22 passing plays, and somewhere between, you know, 
low 40s to low 50s in the running game. The rest of them are runs, right? Absolutely. If we could pull that off, we win, right? Yeah. That's imposing your will right there. Yep. You have 40 run plays and 20 pass plays, you've imposed your will. Right. At that 20 pass plays, I mean, you're at around 200 yards. 40 running plays, you're well over 200 yards. So, I mean, you're, you're 450, close to 500 yards offense, maybe 475. I'm down with that. 16 of 20 for 185 and about 240 yards rushing. There you go. That would be badass. Uh, that, that's doable, though. That's, that's, it is that's, totally doable. That's not like thinking that we got to pull off some kind of miracle. And in, in fact, and, and, and I don't. I don't remember exactly what they were, but go back to South Carolina and those numbers are going to be similar. Sure. Absolutely. That's where, that's our wheelhouse. That is, that is protecting Jake. That is a good rush. That's a good run line, offensive line, good run fit for us. That is, and I'm telling you, that is the winning, that's, that's a winning formula. Now, I, like you said, I'm not crazy. I know that the game can go any sort of way, sure. right? And you might have to make adjustments, right? I mean, hell, if they keep stacking, I mean, you know, hell, it was it wasn't that long ago we were talking about the damn Missouri game. You know, pick your poison. Hell, we we're slinging the ball downfield, right? Right. So it might be that they put damn ten guys on the line of scrimmage, right? Okay, if they do that, then we got to take what we got, right? But man, in a perfect world, we're sixteen of twenty with about thirty-five or forty rushing plays. Oh, absolutely. I think the 40 Russian plays will be in the first three quarters, and then we'll have 10 or 12 more. Two, maybe, maybe two pass attempts, one or two pass attempts, and about 10 running plays in the fourth quarter as we're grinding out the clock. And by God, we better have excess of 80% conversion rate on third down. I ain't looking for a lot of third downs, but if we have third downs, by God, we better hit them. That's one thing I damn sure want to know about. We better hit them just for principle, right? I mean, just for principle. Yeah, against Grant, Grantham, we've got it. we got to continue the tra- tradition. Absolutely. That's about all I got, Jamie. What else are you going to cover, man? That's it for now. We just got to get back, get down to Jacksonville and get back on track. I mean, simple as that. Run the damn ball. Run the damn ball. Run the ball. Ring the bell. Let's get the W and get on to the Kentucky game. I'm in. Dog fans, thanks for listening. You know how to hit us up. We're on Spotify. Jamie's on Facebook at Dogcast Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Dogcast 706-363-0210. Email at dogcast at gmail.com. Oh, wait. I almost forgot. We have a cocktail. You know, yep. the, the official bartender of the dog cast earlier this season, I said, I said, John, you got to come up with a drink. And he's like, I don't know, man, I've, I've lost the mojo. I don't have it. I got no ideas. And so we so Jamie came up with his idea and, uh, you know, it went over it went over whenever well, whenever awesomely. Everybody loved it. Lots of feedback. But then John comes back with this with his serious his. His redemption. John, the official bartender of the Dogcast, has redeemed himself. He's redeemed the team. He is uh, changing the season with this one drink recipe. He says that Chaney is going to rediscover his Mike Bobo crayons and call some plays that are going to make some sense. Or he says Kirby is going to have a field's day 
and uh, Justin's going to go crazy, or Holyfield's going to roll like thunder over Florida's D. But either way, something's got to happen this week. And he calls this the redemption and black, the red and black Manhattan. Two ounces of redemption rye, a half ounce of sweet vermouth, a half ounce of Amaro Averna, uh, which is available in the Athens area at the best liquor store in the state, the Five Points Bottle Shop, Amaro Averna. You stir all that stuff up and hit a little shot of Prohibition bitters out of Atlanta, and you'll be in business for this Georgia game. The Red and Black Manhattan, a classic whiskey cocktail for this weekend, man. The Red and Black Manhattan, the dog cast bartender has come up with another classic. So, guys... Go out there and get you some supplies and get to the damn game and burn the Everbank field to the ground and beat the Gators. Jamie, what you got? Last thing. Justin Fields throws a pass in this game. <laughs> we glossed over Fields the whole damn time, didn't we? You got Fields throwing a pass. Throwing just one? Or you at, think he's going to throw? At least one. You think he's going to do some damage? I, I think we see more of him. Uh, we see more of Fields, and we're going to see more of Channing Tindall inside linebacker, too. Awesome. Good call. You guys, you heard it here first. Channing Tindall and Justin Fields. The dog cast has made its call. Guys, get yourself a cold adult beverage. I'll see you on the interwebs. We'll be back with the postgame show Sunday night. And go dogs. All right. <laughs> Isaiah's dad calling from uh, down here at the uh, Carver High School. Anyway, uh, I wasn't gonna call in, but I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm just thinking. Um, everything everybody said, I agree with. Anyway, the uh, I'm not real fired up right now. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm sorry for my attitude. Uh, you know, like, just like everybody else, it started with the fake field goal, which was nuts. <laughs> that was totally nuts. You know, I, I, I don't mind, I don't mind him doing something like that. We went 30 to nothing, or 20 to, 20 to 6, or whatever. But not, not, not at the first of the game. I mean, that's just nuts. You know, you got a chance, put some points on the board. Um, and then also, you know, same like everybody else. We stopped running the ball. I don't know why in the world they stopped running the ball. I saw an interview with the Cooking Monster. You know, Coach Joe. He said, now he did say that they started out with one defensive plan. He called it a shade, I think. On his interview, whatever that means, a shade. And he said, then we changed and that wasn't working, so we went to another shade. Whatever the hell that means. So maybe maybe that uh you know maybe uh you know maybe Kirby saw that when he changed his defensive when he did change the defensive plan it might have made a difference in the running game. Hell, I, I don't know. Uh from you know he's not dialed in. He's he's not dialed in and. And I, and I agree with Steve down in Savannah. What we need to do is once we get up 20 or 30 to 30 or whatever, and go ahead and put in, you know, put field, put Justin in 
and let him play for a while. I mean, let him play for a while. And, uh, cause you mean, you know, we're up that much. You know, why not let him play for a while? The one of the biggest things I saw was the missed interception opportunities. I, I saw a couple of balls bounce off. And it wasn't the Andre, but a, it just bounced off their chest. I mean, there's a lot of missed interception uh, opportunities. Derek, new dog, uh, Z dog here. Just listen to the post game LSU finally. Just a couple things I think you guys might not have totally hit on with the struggles we had. Uh, you, I mean, if you'll notice, you can't blame Cheney for this loss. Um, he puts a lot on the quarterback. He always has, whether it was Breeze or throughout his coaching career. He he puts the decisions um, and a lot of the the uh, responsibility on on the quarterback. And Prom typically does well with that. And uh, he just happened to play the worst game of his career. Um, three touchdowns at least. You had Godwin doing jumping jacks in the end zone wide open. You had McColl Hardman streaking down the sidelines wide open. He overthrew him. And then what I thought was the best play call of the game was the, the Robertson um, little, you know, swing out the side where he's streaking down the sideline and he underthrew him. And then, of course, he bobbled it out of bounds. If he leads him, that's a third touchdown. So I have a hard time blaming Chaney other than, of course, like everyone has said, I do wish he would have not panicked when we fell behind and stuck to the run more um, for sure. But from taking that sack where we could have, we finally got some momentum going and we were in field goal range, we could have cut it to one score. He takes a sack, we have to punt, they go down and score, and then it just kind of avalanche from there. So don't really blame Cheney. The one big problem, the biggest problem I see that I don't see getting better this year is on the defensive side. Um we had two defensive ends that were good, Bellamy and Carter, last year getting pressure, and then Atkins and, and Trent Thompson in the middle kind of stuck in the run, and Roquan cleaning everything up. And you don't have any of those guys this year. Um, I think Walker, DeAndre Walker, is the only true pass rush um, that we have. And unfortunately, and I love Walker, but he's if you look at his grades, he's, He's really bad uh, when it comes to against the run and tackling. Um, and he's the only true pass rush threat that we have. And then, you know, we're just not that good at linebacker up the middle either. We're just average. And uh, you just don't hear anybody on the defensive line getting their name called out for, for doing much. So that's the biggest problem I see, and I just don't see it getting better this year, hopefully. Um, it'll improve. I thought Robert Beal was kind of a bright spot, getting him on the field more. Um, he had a good game and, uh, and Baker. And other than that, you know, it's it's pretty tough on defense, and that's our main issue. But anyway, off week, hopefully we'll rebound, uh, beat Florida, 